Thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is Colin Swagman, a.k.a. P.T. Burnham. One of my best pals, a very soulful and honest dude. We talk about his travels and about his journey into this rap game and our own history together. This episode is sponsored by The Lineup Room, a recording and mixing studio located in Baltimore, Maryland. That's where we're laying these podcasts down. So let's go in. Yeah, like, you know, one of those classic cases of like, well, yeah, he's a pain in the ass, but he's not like mean spirited or, you know, he's, and he's got this like weird spark and, yeah, you know, but there were a lot of like neighborhood moms who were like, nah, the, the Colin can't come over for the day. <laughs> like, and you, you always lived in Burtonsville, right? There were like three or four years before that where I lived in some apartment in Eltsville, maybe. I'm not oh, sure. Okay. But, yeah. um, yeah, I don't have many memories of that. The most part is Burtonsville. Which is very, it's very much a weird zone, I would say. It is. It's like a, you know, it's basically like a barracks for Washington, D.C. workers or something. Not a barracks, yeah. but like more like a, um, it's just like a strip mall and a couple of neighborhoods. Yeah. And then the schools for the kids. And, and, you know, like dentist office. All those requisite things for suburbanites. But like, it's like, it really lo- does look, even like on a map, like an outgrowth of 95. Like like most places outside of D.C. or Baltimore, they claim Baltimore or D.C., but but it's like these cats are just like Burtonsville. We claim Montgomery County. We yeah. claim Burtonsville for sure. Yeah, you know? 198. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, but it is just basically an exit off 95. Definitely. <laughs> 95. Although there is a unique kind of mix of slang that happens there. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of it, you know... Um, what's fallen from the cities, you know, yeah, like totally. what's trickled down. And then also some of it, like its own is like evolved there as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Say um, part of that is like, there's a lot of affluence there and you yeah. know, it's like um, um, a lot of, I don't know, kids making up their own, their own thing, but they're not like super hip because they're not really like, they don't have to like, do a lot of cool shit to have fun or something. They're chilling at the mall, right? You know, right. but they're they're also you know making up little slangs and stuff. Being this wild dude, like, where did when you were younger? Well, like when when and where did like music fall into the picture? Um. Well, I I remember very distinctly having dreams and like. a a serious everyday want for a Walkman. Mm. The minute that I learned this thing existed, I I knew I had to have one. Yeah. And um, I was rocking around with headphones before anybody really was walking Mm. around with headphones. At least in my neighborhood. Now, now, like, the whole world, like, all of, like, America does it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so, like, yeah, my first tapes were, like, I mean, yeah, my first tapes were, like, my mom and dad's stuff, and they're, you know... Not super hip, but they do their thing, you know. It was like yeah. Billy Joel and like um, um, Patty Smith, yeah, stuff, stuff like that, you know. Um, and like, yeah, I think the first song I ever memorized was "We Didn't Start the Fire" by Billy Joel, mm. jumping around in my bedroom. But so, like, once I got the Walkman, it was like on lock. I was just like yeah. doing that. Had the crisscross tape, like not a lot of like. Like, uh, more radical stuff. Like, a lot of heads that I know, like, when they were younger, they were listening to Public Enemy. When they were younger, they were listening to a lot of stuff, NWA. But I was really not hip to it. I was listening to, like, The Addams Family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then it all switched up when, like, Green Day, Offspring, and Smashing Pumpkins Mm. really hit. That was when I first got, like, my CD player. Also, like, a lot of ska listening to that with my cousin up in um, Ohio. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so you got into like the punk stuff. That was right when like stuff. five disc CD changers were like the shit. Mm. When you were like, you were like, oh my god, put five in there. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Um, so yeah, like like especially the Offspring really mm. blew my mind. It was just like 
these riffs. Like that was when Smash was dropping, and it was just like, whoa. Which one is that? The one with the mega hits, or yeah, yeah, definitely. That? That's okay. when that's when it really, really hit. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. two albums before that, and then yeah, a bunch of albums after that of questionable and deteriorating value. But like, yeah. And when did you start actually making music of any kind? Oh, um, really? Not until um, I met you guys. Honestly. Um, now you were already doing stuff when uh, I sort you. of yeah, yeah but I mean oh yeah I guess I was working with Ruth Blum yeah um, yeah Infinity yeah uh, who's now a mother of three and living the awesome life but you were already rapping and making beats when I met you yes and... but no I wasn't really making beats that hard okay um, I was doing a lot of rapping to other people's beats and, oh, okay yeah I didn't start making my own beats actually until I bought Mickey's MPC oh really uh huh okay. Um, actually, I think it was Mickey's. Maybe it was actually Jones's. Jones's. Oh, okay. MPC. It was back when I was going to school at UMBC. Uh-huh. That was when I had met Travis, and our friendship was starting to blossom. And yeah, uh, hanging out a lot down around Bill's Music House, which is where Travis was working. Yeah. Um, and I these. The set of Gemini turntables just like called my name. I, I like laid hands on them and I knew that this was something that I had to have. Yeah. Uh, something about the smell and the feel of them just felt right in a way that like I love guitar, but I just never have like laid a hand on a guitar and been like, that's mine. Right, you right, know? right, right, right. So that happened with those and they just happened to come with a big crate of records, you know? There was a big crate there, and in that crate was, like, Big L, um, some Wu-Tang, and it also had uh, Company Flow, which is a huge, hugely influential. That was the one... That's how you discovered it? Company Flow? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, And that was, you know, of course, in late high school, I was listening to Eminem. Yeah. You know, uh, really, you know, obviously still feel that he killed it in a way that a lot of people won't ever, you know. But there was sort of a thing there where it's like, you got to be like crazy, you know, and you got to be like, like, like depressed, crazy. Right, right. You know, and company flow really opened up the idea that like, oh, this like part of me that loves sci-fi books, that loves, you know, um, that kind of thinking, you know, this kind of really curious thinking about the world could have an outlet in rap music. Mm. Yeah. It hadn't it kind of hadn't connected before for you Mm-mm. or something. Definitely not. And yeah. I remember at first I was scratching and doing some stuff on the turntables. I thought, "Oh, maybe I'll be a DJ, you know." Yeah. But as I started listening to a lot of that stuff, I was like, "No, I th- I think I can make this stuff. I do think that I can do it." You know? Yeah. There was just yeah. like a there was one long summer where I was just like slowly coming to the conclusion that that's the end that I wanted to be on. So was Ruth, was the idea like you would DJ for Ruth kind of, or just not at first fit in somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. DJing? Oh yeah. That was back, you know, um, prior to living on Joe Avenue in Catonsville, right. this was when I lived on that third floor sweaty apartment with yeah. Ruth. Um, and we would rock these instrumental sides of the albums and yeah. freestyle in the apartment, you know, smoking yeah. a lot of blunts and staying as little clothed as possible to beat this heat. Mm. Mostly what I remember that stuff, yeah. Kind of a little bit of a rough neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. But um, lot, very, very nice. A lot of good memories from that summer. Is the getting the MPC, is that kind of like the the big switch? Yeah, that of? was definitely when, when it, you know, I mean, you know, I was coming over at that point to Gigolo Nights. Yeah. And seeing Mickey Free right, do right, his right. thing on these um, workstations. And yeah. that, I mean... Seeing a dude compose and like live on the fly, switch it up and like be able to like, you know, what we were doing at the house with Ruth, you know, was happening over at Gigolo Nights only to beats that were being created in Gigolo Nights. You know? Right, right, right. And right. Um, that had a big effect on me, you know, mm. being like, ah, oh, he's doing it. You know, I think I can do it too. Now, you know, I did not know at the time that I was, that I had actually stumbled on, luckily, like, a really talented beat maker. Yeah. Somebody who, you know, it's like, it's like 
to think at the time that like, oh, I'll just start making beats like this guy. Right, you know, it was right. kind of like a long stretch right, and right, a bit right. of a road to to go. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I've been I've been realizing lately that a lot of like as far as I've come has come with uh, because of a certain amount of like ignorance to the to the like the true hardness of stuff. Mm. You know, the true difficulty of yeah. things. It's just like I'm always sort of just been like, oh, I can do that. You know, and it's like I can't at first, but mm. I'm just like, well, we'll plow over that. And, yeah. You know, I think I think I think you can't enter the game unless you have some ignorance. I regard. feel exactly the same, and you certainly can't succeed in it. I think. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're like dumb enough to try, I guess. <laughs> That's I mean? exactly the phrase that I, I've been thinking. Yeah. It didn't take me long to figure out that like Gigolo Nights was something unique. That you guys mm. were, were doing something unique. You know, something that felt really good the the squad wounds yeah you know was um you know making music that was cool and having a good time doing it you know i have to say it's really awesome to me because i think of that in a way as such a dark time for mm. for the crew yeah and it's like there was not we kind of didn't have much going on in terms of getting our stuff out there. Right. But I think it's awesome that, like, there was someone being like, oh, these dudes are cool. Or, or, you know what I mean? Like, definitely. Because I definitely, it was a time, yeah, around, like, 2001, 2002, it was, like, the rebuilding time. Like, like we had kind of, like, like, fallen flat as an actual group. And then and it sort of became yeah. a loose coalition. Yeah, and kind of each were, like, developing our own act or something like mm -hmm. that when did you kind of take the leap into being this more of this act you know what i mean like huh. i would say somewhere near the death of the talking head okay the talking head shows yeah i was starting to figure out that this you know was my steez like that there was something that I needed to do differently than just like put on a CD and rap. Right, right, you know? right. That was when we were starting to tour with Dan Deacon, I believe. Or maybe that was after that. Oh, or, like when we went down to like Atlanta? Yeah, actually that was before all yeah, that. Yeah, that was before. That was before. But I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and all all touring. So so I guess that was kind of like a, a practice run, I guess. Yes. Like like yeah, we did we did you you met us in outside Savannah. of Atlanta. Outside of Atlanta. Oh, outside of Atlanta. And then we went to Savannah. Yeah, that was so yeah. great. First time I was like out like first tour. Yeah. And it was amazing yeah. to me. Just to like we can do that. Like I can travel to a place and we'll put on a show. Yeah. Great. If it surprised you so much, I guess what did you expect it to be like? If um if that makes any sense. I guess I pretty much expected it to be like that. But yeah. you don't really know until you're like miles away from home walking around with your friends in beautiful savannah georgia yeah and or i remember also tallahassee was really pretty for me at the time oh yeah like, yeah yeah i went to tallahassee i remember walking with you guys and not just being away from home and being with your crew but also having a job to do like yeah. ha like having a focus a thing that was like right right we're not just around here yeah. we're, we're doing a thing as small as it was right it right, still right. felt really big in my mind yeah you know? and uh i kind of like knew it would kind of be like that but i the visceralness of like walking barefoot in in tallahassee and being like this is great yeah I feel like i feel like satisfied on a on a big level that wouldn't be satisfied if i was just like traveling with friends right 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 there's something to do we were on a mission and I, yeah i remember i remember you saying there's something about Dan's set. Mm. Real, I think maybe in Georgia, may, like maybe uh, inspired you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'd cite my two biggest, if I'm going to be honest, my two biggest influences in terms of live stage show are Dan Deacon and um, Sam from Future Island. Mm. Um, you know, the intense physicality, the, yeah. the being not afraid to sweat and be a bit of a maniac. Yeah. Um, the idea, you, you told me uh -oh, once back in the early days, you were like, you know, technically 
there's always going to be somebody better. There, you know, there's going to be people with more technical skill or like whatever. And all that stuff is sort of coincidental. And what what really matters is that you hear the person on the record. Yeah, that that yeah. person shines through. That it's not right, right. generic or or like forgettable. That this person's essence as a person, you you were like, you know, I want to hear Colin on the songs. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, and I just felt like Dan Deacon was was really doing that in a big way. You know, you yeah, it was unmistakable, particularly in a live context. Absolutely, like, like it's so. I, I I don't know. I feel like the kind of shows that the two of that me and him were playing at the time were like, it's just like, it's so hard to stand out. Like everyone's just there to see their friend's band people, or, or just they're there for whatever reason. They want to go out and smoke cigarettes, whatever. It's so hard to leave an impression. Definitely. Something. And I feel like he really kind of mastered leaving. A like big a, impression. Yeah. And leaving, leaving these like random people that were at these shows, like, talking about him and stuff you definitely know? Like, um so yeah and then i guess so we, we did that tour and then and then you went you went on another tour the, the like raw bear tour yeah like, um that was like the same year i think like oh yeah that was with mickey free and yeah. jones yeah that was a great great tour yeah that was one of my favorite trips just on a personal oh, yeah. level, the, exactly. the, the crew was solid. <laughs> exactly. Shows, yeah. there are some rough ones, but but yeah, that was a really fun tour, and um, and then, I guess one of the things that really surprised me is like, around that time you you were getting this set together, e- even if you even if it was more like yeah, it's just me with the the CD, you know, like, right. and. And you know, I kind of had this like everybody pile in the whip tour that you went on, and then right after that, or maybe not right after that, but pretty soon Shortly. after that, you you went with homeless, right? Homeless and Polly Think, yeah, which is kind of for me it was kind of a big moment. Like, I feel like at at that time we all knew like eight thousand dudes that like rapped in some capacity. Like, like I feel like it was kind of like the white rap gold rush era and like like it I, it was really cool to me that it was like oh this dude's not just gonna tour when i right. invite him like he's like looking you know yeah yeah, yeah well once there's a certain uh kind of person i think that once once you taste touring yeah you don't really want to do anything else yeah yeah you know, that to uh, the idea of like you know living traveling and living by your own means a little bit you know yeah earning some money at the shows eating you know and uh yeah once i you know and plus that that raw bear tour was so much fun and realizing that yeah this is like this is a lifestyle that's really tight you know? right right so right. i wanted to do as much as i could and forget how i think me and homeless had played yes me and homeless had played a couple shows I think actually on the Raw Bear yeah. tour in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, yeah, in Pittsburgh, I was introduced to homeless, and we 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 got on even from the beginning a little bit yeah. like rough. We were like all, always like a little bit butting up against right, each other, right, but right. recognizing each other's tightness and you know that we were on the same team and kind of had the same goals. Yeah, and you know friends, but always a little at odds. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Did that tour with Homeless and Polly Fink, and that was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, just because those guys are more um, like DIY punk right, in, their, right. in their work. You know, there's a lot of punk stuff happening in the car, you know, punk music and shit, shit yeah. like that. Um, and uh, so the tour felt different, you know, than the, than the yeah. you know, Wounds Crew sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. raw bear thing. Um and just like something fit with like the griminess, just like sleeping on couches and going in and like it's like like it it never really felt with raw bear, I guess back when the first first couple of tours, I was so excited that even sleeping on the couches was just like, this is amazing right, right, here right. I am waking up in Tallahassee, you know, like yeah, and w- when I was doing the tour with homeless and Polly, um 
it was just like it, like revealing that this could be a dirty grind, right? And there's right, something right. beautiful and romantic in that too. Yeah, and totally, um, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, can't give enough credit to Homeless and Polly for yeah. teaching me, you know, certain aspects of like the grind of tour. You know, with Raw Bear and and the tour before that, you guys handled just about everything. I was on right, along right, for the ride, right. you know. Yeah, and then slowly I, I became more active in terms of booking yeah. and. and and the logistics of tour and they really showed me you know how to like Paulie especially instilled a lot of like the right kind of attitude that you yeah. have to have you as well i guess as you were getting that all together you you moved up to philly mm-hmm. for a long time yeah and, well a year okay and what what was that like um it was really interesting um because yeah. there was no the scene was so different yeah. Up there. Or at least the part that I got involved in. Yeah, I feel like you kind of got involved with, like, a weird part of Philly. Yeah, well, or something. Uh, and, a, and a sort of, like, prominent one. Um, yeah. At the, uh, oh, what was that place called? The Gallery or something like that? Mm. It was, like, a big sort of community space. Yeah. And every month or so, they have big freestyle events. Big, yeah. like, B-boys, DJs, you know, the classic hip-hop shit. Yeah. You know? Um and and I'd go up there and you know smoke blunts and freestyle and yeah it was I really felt like like I was watching like Wild Style and, mm-hmm. and Star Wars and stuff like that these these uh you know the writers bench stuff like that yeah. where like every month you'd get together with these dudes and then you'd, you know you'd be trading barbs and stuff yeah. like that and um and it was more it felt more raw you know like whereas in Baltimore I was like. Uh, riding my mom's car up to the talking head and doing some show, you know, yeah, and then yeah, like rolling yeah. out. It was like, take the train in, you know, walk through the street, city streets and like get to the spot where like all these heads, you know, ranging from like nerd heads to like serious thugs, gangsters, yeah. you know, like, um, you know, there were some hard elements there and it felt, you know, obviously for me as a suburban white kid, it was really exciting, you know, yeah. just to be part of that like sweat and grit and like, and to be in the middle of a cipher where you really had to prove your metal. Like, mm. nobody gives a shit, really, you know, that you can, like, ponder the the inner workings of the sociopolitical spectrum. Right. You, you, right. you got to know how to get this dude with one line. Right, right, right. And, I mean, I was never great at it, but I was good enough to hold my own. Yeah. And that felt good. I, I'm sure that attributed to, like, your presence as a rapper, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I will say, because me and you have built on, on freestyles and battles and stuff like yeah. that and their their role in the game and how, you know, generally speaking, these days, I don't find battles to be too entertaining. Yeah. And, I, I, and freestyle, the person has to be really good yeah. to, to hold my attention at all. And most of the time, they're not. Most of the time, it comes across as just like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, um, but... Doing it in Philly, I did realize that there is a place you reach to in your mind when you're on the spot and you've just been dissed and you, you've you got to find a way to flip it. Yeah. You've got to find a way to flip their words against them or come up with a new set that's based on something about them. And when it's like that moment of holding your breath and like, can I do it? That very distinct moment where like after that, the stress of of reciting a written is not as heart pounding. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. it's like okay, I know what I'm doing here. There's yeah. not, not so much of a chance element in it, but yeah, definitely that contributed. You know, when you step into a cipher that automatically assumes that you suck, you know, just kind of based on like what you look like, right, you know, right, basically. right. Um, and to be able to penetrate that and wow them at least yeah. once or twice. Yeah. Uh, really gives you a certain confidence. Mm. You know. Yeah. But yeah. Moved back to Baltimore after Philadelphia. Um, moved initially back into Burtonsville. Yeah. And then up to Baltimore with you. Yeah. And that was what, such, such potent moments up in, um, what's the address there? Crittenton. Crittenton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, you know, that was my first real attempt. Cause like Philly was like, I hang out with Travis. 
I found a job pretty quickly, did it. It wasn't like I was friends with many of the people at my job. Right. And the scene that I was a part of was separate than from both of those things. Yeah. Um, the move to Baltimore was my first time being like, okay, so I know some people here already. Can they help me find a job? Like, I, can I become a, a fixture in this yeah. scene? Which did and didn't happen, sort of. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I always thought you were like, going at it in such a difficult way <laughs> like i don't know to, i feel like i can see how baltimore would be so difficult to really like infiltrate like like particularly working at the golden west right i feel like that's kind of like the thing to do if you want to like meet people or at least it was back then right like, like like to be like i have to work at this like insane hipster restaurant basically like and like insert myself into it and kind right. of meet all the right people through doing that or something like, yeah no i mean it's probably the right thing to do but it's just, but i didn't do it quite the right way yeah i don't i don't think i could do that if you know what I mean? yeah it's it i i mean i've just never been one to like be able to meet and greet so well or at least uh, yeah. back then especially i was and i'm much better at it now um but I've always just been somebody who is myself and myself can be abrasive. Yeah. And uh awkward. Um it's not self-deprecating. Right, right. It's, it's just, just uh like a fact. Um yeah. just uh you know, my personality just didn't jive with them. And um so it actually what could have been an opportunity actually was a detriment because they knew me, but they knew me from work. Right. As right. like sort of like a wild cat that like <laughs> you know, wasn't always on point. Yeah, it's kind of like if you. That's why it's like if you fuck up at work, it's kind of like an advertisement against your music that you're trying to get all these people to listen to. Definitely. You know, you were sort of getting on a little more than the rest of us, not in any big way because nobody was. Right. But right. you were getting on a little more than the rest of us through hustle. And, yeah, yeah. You know, through. Having solid music, but also, like, hustle, 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 you know? And at the time, I think you were getting hollowed at by a lot of different heads that were on either the outskirts of the crew or even in the crew a little bit for, like, hey, put us on, you know? Right, right. And I remember building with you over the phone, and uh, you were like, you know, people don't understand that you can help them a lot less than they think you can. Yeah. Anybody yeah. can help a lot less than you would think that they can. Yeah. You're looking at them thinking, oh, they're on. And it's right, like, they're right. like, they're just like trying to scramble for like, you know, just to maintain what they have. Yeah. And it's kind of terrifying, like, <laughs> like how little each person has. And then to know that for each person that's doing something, there's someone else that kind of has even less. Yeah. And is like, give me what you have. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Know? And uh, so I remember being like, I remember being like, okay. That's the that's a reality. I'm gonna bide my time, but I do want to get. I want a shot, you know. Like I yeah. want, I want to put something together because I wasn't pulling weight in Baltimore at all. Yeah, and my name just didn't do anything to anyone. Yeah, know, at the time, and uh, I remember we set up a show at Current. It was no, I don't think it was Current. Your your release show. Yeah, the release show at, at uh, Zodiac. Zodiac, right? Yeah, and that had Mickey Free on the bill. Who was at the time making a lot of noise. Yeah. You know, there was people were showing out for his stuff. Yeah. And um I was really excited and I, you know, got it all together, got my stage show together. It was relatively well practiced. Um, but that night when it was my time for the set, I made the intense mistake of like half wiring up my stuff. You know, some of the stuff was wired, some yeah. of it wasn't, the MPC wasn't on. Like, and I didn't know that the the echo pedal had crapped out on me. Okay. And I was all half wired up and I was really nervous. And um, I got on the mic and sort of announced my presence. Like, I'm about to do the thing. Here yeah. I go. And the crowd, I mean, really in a show of like, you know, all right, cool. Let's see what's up. They like yeah. crowded around. Right, right, right. But I wasn't even ready to roll. Uh, so right. I ended up like mumbling and talking into the mic while I'm trying to set up these wires. The echo pedals clicking, 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 and I, you know, it was just like a fiasco. 
Yeah. And this went on for like four or five minutes to the point yeah. where a lot of the people just like walked away. Right, right, right. right and um, that was like the first like big introduction to Baltimore or something like that. Was right, like, right. And I, I was out of town for that show, but I remember it was like you like blanketed the city with these flyers. Yeah, you yeah. Were at, Different shows past, like... These paper cranes. Telling people. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. folded up. Yeah, so... That intro, I think, left people with kind of like a, oh, uh, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing. Right, You know what I mean? Right, right. And, um... And so... Yeah, like, that was, like, the debut, like, sort of, like, the, the like, false start of... Yeah. This, the, you know, newer way that I've been doing things, you know, with, with yeah. a presence and, like, a thing that's, like, it is rap, but it's... It's done in a different way than a yeah. lot of people do rap. And um I guess there you moved back home for a while. Yeah. And then I'm doing a lot of traveling, a lot of touring. Yeah, what tours are you doing then? I guess more tours with homeless. Yeah, a couple of tours yeah. with homeless and Polly again. Um and doing like the rap nights up yeah. in uh Maine, up in Portland. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Yeah, you're going to you start going to New England like all the time. Yeah, a lot. And, um, how did, how did that, how did you like make, kind of like make the big like connection there? Well, Brzezowski yeah, you, was you guys friends with Homeless friends, and yeah. we linked up. We weren't friends at first. Okay. I mean, we, we knew each other and we, uh, oh yeah, we were friends. We, yeah. we stayed at his house. He was like the house that you stayed in if you were right, going right, to right. Maine. But, um, you know, back then I still wasn't that great and Brzezowski was kind of like, oh, who's this kid? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, he he had his doubts that I would stick, you know, to the, Right, right, to right. He didn't know anything of the background, you know, that I already had, like, four or five years. In, yeah, yeah. The belt, but, um, yeah, and we, you know, started forging a friendship and going up north, ended up starting, yeah, that's when I met also, uh, you know, Chesky and... A lot of the indie rappers up north, yeah, and started doing that sort of thing. Maybe kind of a ways before that, you started. You toured Europe for the first time, yeah, with Homeless, yeah. and that was life changing. Mm. Um, you know, just uh, really seeing seeing the kinds of scenes overseas and getting a lot of love in yeah. areas. Um, yeah. And where where did you play the first time? It's a lot. I, I'm sure it's some of the same places. We've yeah, played, right? Russia, Belarus, um, Poland. Um, we did Paris, Le Mans. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a bunch more in there. I'm yeah. just kind of like having... Like, yeah, you don't have to list them all. I don't think we did Germany that time. And had Homeless gone before? Yeah, that, okay. he had gone with Swordplay. Okay. Actually before. How did they hook up with this like Eastern Europe? scene i think it was sasha just liked homeless's music and contacted him okay it was like we want to yeah. do a tour and, and what what was your impression the first time of of playing all these far out zones it was great they you know there's a certain raw energy over there that i don't see much here yeah you know just like a lot of kids you know hundreds of kids like getting together and getting down yeah and Really, just participating in a way that maybe not so much over here. I think, I think you're one of you and homeless are two of the only rappers on the earth that have gone to Belarus and played a yeah. show. Like, and they and they all came out. Yeah, the kids yeah. came out. We've got some great great footage from that and. Where it's just like hundreds of kids and me and homeless are crowd surfing yeah. and rapping and is just incredible. It kind of really pointed out to me how like the internet has like destroyed things more than it's brought them together in totally, a lot of ways. Man. Where it's like when people have so many options and yeah. so much connection, like it's like no nothing's a big deal anymore or yeah. something. And when word of mouth is like the way that it goes it's like all the kids came out to the show. Yeah. I know it's probably a big deal because they don't often get right, right, you know, right. American rappers out there. And America is like the thing. Yeah, the world knows. Yeah. Like that's where it pretty much started. But yeah, that man, that. And then so we went the second time mm -hmm. to Europe. Um, 
That was awesome. Was, Didn't go to Belarus because yeah. the first time we went to Belarus, we had to get smuggled out on a train. Yeah. We actually booked a show. Yeah, we did. And weeks, we but... we actually started to go into Belarus. Yeah. But then made some calls and realized that we could be stuck there for like a week and miss a bunch of yeah. other dates. And we decided to nix that. Yeah. But that Yeah, that really struck me being over there is is same thing. Like, like these people like know how to have fun. Yeah. They, they know how to you know be like oh there's something happening tonight let's all go and get excited <laughs> and like and like see see what kind of meaning we could find in it you totally know? And like, totally and it's not like you know it's not like oh the americans are here we're gonna you know get excited for them it's like it's like they i don't know they all had their own scenes that they were all psyched about and yeah, that was awesome. It, it seemed like uh, it seems like it's a lot less self conscious over there. Yeah, there's a lot less like feeling like, well, I'm a part of a scene. How cool can I be? It was just like a bunch of people having fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. So okay, so you put out Ornithopter in Dover, Dover, New Hampshire, and I forget the circumstances of the first shows in Dover, New Hampshire. Maybe you played with. Nobody cares. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm totally forgetting that whole link. Yeah, first shows in Dover was definitely no. Nobody cares. He was yeah. holding it down, um, at the Red Door. Okay. And uh, that was, yeah, just started going through there regularly, and eventually, a couple years later, decided to make the move up there. Yeah, you know, I I definitely thought it was having never been to Dover, New Hampshire. I definitely thought it was crazy like a little bit right like to move there yeah like it's like someone being like yeah i'm moving to like carlos montana or so like like it's like huh right but but like but you had yeah yeah by that time i guess you had seen this whole scene developing there well i'd seen the scene developing and at that point because there was a really pivotal show where i played with chesky and i nine at uh, Furies, which mm-hmm. is a really good venue. Um, it's There's just a good energy. Some spots, you just feel them. You're just oh, like, I think I, I played that show, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. That was a great show. It was and fantastic. Was too. And, um, yeah, so, like, a couple of pivotal shows where, like, just, like, it was clear that between I-9, MC Nobody Cares, um... Like, and when I came into town, that sort of three on the bill was compelling. You know, right, it wasn't right. like a, it was a little higher caliber than, than your usual hip hop shows. Yeah. And um, by that point, I had my show pretty sharp. Yeah. And it was real, like, people were starting to get really excited about it. And um, I-9 was working with Fly Rock. Yeah. You know, with Jake. Fly Rock. And, and those yeah. guys up there. And um, Matt Gilbert the engineer. Yeah. Um, and they had a little studio and they were holding Furies down in a big way. And yeah. I became like sort of their pet out of town yeah. guy, you know. It's sort of like the way Brandon's got it with here where it's like, it's like a studio for hire but also, also like a label with these select artists and they're just working all the time on these the label's releases. Yes. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, up there, it was a little less tight of an operation than Brandon's got here. Yeah. Um, no no disrespect. No disrespect, but, you know, not to go into a bunch of drama, but there Let's were definitely, go. I mean, there were definitely motivations up there that were less than music. Like, there was a sort of, like, mm, older guys trying to party with younger people. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, and... Yeah. Like, that seemed to be part of the motivating factor. Yeah. I mean, and Jake held it down. I mean, he put his all into Fly Rock. Sure, yeah. And the opportunities that they gave me, you know, being willing to record Ornithopter, you know, without charging me. Yeah. You know, kind of, you know, basically being put onto Fly Rock. That was yeah. great, but, the re- you know, it disintegrated eventually. Yeah. Fly Rock isn't around anymore, right. really. Um, and what happened, it was just... It just, you know, Matt Gilbert, talented engineer. Yeah. Um, 
was in sort of a business deal with Jake uh -huh. and it just like their their goals weren't really aligning and I think that the money sort of started to become an issue. Yeah. And they had to close down the, the studio. Yeah. And once that happened, it all just sort of started to yeah. fall apart. Um but they had a, a couple of really excellent releases. Ornithopter was a conjunction between um Fly Rock and the DIY Bandits. Oh right, right. And the DIY Bandits, I mean, I've got their shit tattooed on me. Yeah. Like that's that's love. Yeah. And, uh Pepe and Lee who run it. Um amazing people and always supported. Yeah. Me. And like that they're they're the ones who were like, we gotta do this vinyl. Right, right. Like, if right. we're gonna do it. Fly Rock was like, we'll do the recording and then we'll see what we can do to put it out. Oh right. right and right. DIY stepped up and was like, we'll fund most oh, of the cool. vinyl release and and really got it off the ground that way. And what touring I guess what touring did you do from there? Because I guess right after you recorded that, you went back to Baltimore, right? Right, yeah. That crashed down. You know, it's what I get for, like, because in addition to moving up there for music, there was also a girl involved. Mm. And I kind of made some missteps with that, like moving in together too early. And like, yeah. And it all crashed down around my head, and it got kind of awkward. And then we did the Icebox tour, which right. was me, Polly, and I-9. As a group. As a group. Yeah. Where I did the production, um, and we all rapped, and that, I mean, I still view that record as one of my tightest. Yeah, one of my um, like, like I love my records because they're like this is me at that time, you know, kind of unabashed. Yeah, all imperfections, all you know, just the Icebox record. There's barely any like down moments. It's yeah. all really tight. Yeah, and. Yeah, still one of my favorites that I've been involved in. And we took that on the road on yeah. tour. I remember it was, the drama was crashing all around our heads mm. in Dover one night. right, oh, Like the night before we were supposed to leave. Yeah. And me and I and I were just like, let's leave now. Let's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. roll. And we did. And, uh, you know, took that busted Lumina out to see Pauly. And, um, you yeah, know, got that on the road. And that was a really successful tour. I-9 is one of the most talented cats that I've come yeah. in contact with. He's just raw, amazing, and he, like, so capable of, like, jumping, like, matching my energy and jumping it yeah. up into, like, a speed zone, like, whereas mine is more, like, gravelly and raw bluesy. His is more, like, fast and up top. Yeah. And that dynamic with Paulie's like, lightheartedness comedy um really just made that record special and made that tour special too yeah was it kind of like the goal was like one album one tour or, or were you trying to like or we didn't we didn't really know how yeah. it was gonna go we knew that we had made icebox diy bandits again sort of facilitated that they were okay. like they were like well we we because me and paulie were already on yeah diy but they were like we like this i9 guy we want him in yeah so what you know why don't you put together a group with him? Oh. And they suggested it. Yeah. And then me and Polly quickly ran with the thing. And it was so cold up there, we called it Icebox. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. we and we created the album in like four or five days. Oh shit. Yeah. It was like I mean, some of the production previously existed. Right, right. But the main Tracked crafting it. of all of yeah. it happened in like five days of of just being holed up in the cold in, yeah. at this place called the Jungle Den, which is where okay. I lived with three girls. Um, I'll never do that again, but, um, <laughs> it was kind of cool for what it was. Uh, but it was an amazing time. Like the, there was just like synergy between me and Pauly. Yeah. And then I nine, um, being thrown into the mix was just, uh, it was just an interesting combination. Yeah. And I remember it's like, I guess I can't really fairly say because comparing anything to like the bond that me and Pauly have has, but have yeah. is, um, it's a hard, you know, it's like me and I-9 don't connect like me and Polly. Okay. But me and almost nobody connect like me and Polly. Yeah. Me and Polly are like brothers. You know, he's, you know, those those five days where we were really hustling and like setting up the tour, you know, like yeah. grinding in this room, this one room where this one girl had moved out and just like all of our computer shit is set up there and yeah. all the papers and we're just like typing away and trying to get it done and announce and announce and get on Facebook, try to right, right, try right. to bombard the world with the fact that this tour is happening and simultaneously make the tour happen. Yeah. And uh, we shot the video 
with Joe Giusti. Um, and it was just like a really, it was like a lot of work. It was just like sun up to sun down, you know, working, yeah. working, working, you know, getting the tour booked and creating the album basically at the same time. Right, right, right. Yeah, and two separate rooms and just awesome. A lot of cigarettes. I don't smoke cigarettes, but like, you know, just, I did a little bit then. Yeah, It was like yeah. so much just working, working, working. It was great. And yeah, and I guess if I remember correct, the tour, was that the tour that kind of had the destruct, destruction end? Yeah, yeah. That was the tour that uh, we went to South by Southwest. Right, And right, that's where right. the Lumina died. Yeah. Um, a whip that had been for most of our tours. Yeah. There. Um, so, yeah, we, we rode into Austin and it broke down under the Austin city limits. Got towed to a place, fixed, and then two blocks away from the mechanic shop. It just destroyed itself like you yeah. heard this chunk and just the whole thing stopped the mechanic tried to tell us that he wanted more money and we we're just like screw this and actually paulie ended up staying in austin after that oh yeah that's how he like ended up living there yeah and you you like bust it back home yes right yes. yeah i think i picked you up actually mm -hmm. did, did you have to cancel shows or was that like the end of the tour there was I think there was one or two canceled shows. Oh, okay. Um, but not. It wasn't too bad. We had done most of the tour already. Yeah. And Austin, Austin was great for what it was. Okay, so, and I guess you, you left that tour being like, I'm not going home, or I'm not going back to uh, New Hampshire. Right, right, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, the lease was running out on the on the Jungle Den, Yeah. and we had all already agreed to split. It's not happening. Yeah, it's not happening. Um. Yeah, actually, that scene really fell into, like, decay. Very small town, you know, and just um, just sort of stopped, you know, MC Nobody Cares, um, and I-9 stopped doing their Human Speakers project. Yeah. And it's just, like, the shows started, like, being less thoroughly tight, less yeah, reliably tight. It's weird. I mean, I, I've, every time I've gone up there since the kind of heyday, it's like... The acts are still tight. They're still like, like the local cats are still tight. They're still bringing through different. Yeah, tight like bringing through acts, acts like AWOL One, Chesky. Yeah. You know, amazing. But but it's not. It, there's just not an A audience. Scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess that it's. I guess with these micro scenes, it can be like smashed to zero real real fast. Real fast. You know? Yeah. So. um you you decided to make the move back to MD, and um and I guess quickly after there you moved to Richmond. Yeah, the the move back to MD was always temporary. It was yeah. like I'm not, I'd already kind of decided that Baltimore wasn't going to pop for me in mm. the way that I wanted it to. Um, it's since come around in a lot of ways. Like it's like a miniature version of um when some of the American artists would go to Europe, do their yeah. thing, and come back like Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. Right, 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 and. Whereas, like, well, now that I'm in Richmond, I'm coming back into Baltimore, and they're like, whoa, like, I didn't know you were, in, like, here before, you know? Right, like, right, right. Um, so th there's more love being shown now. But, yeah, the I had been in talks with Isaac, who's a really good friend of mine, Swordplay. Yeah. Um, and an incredible artist. Um, but he told me about the spot, the compound, and was like... Yeah, I might be able to get you in. It was in flux for a little while. There was a guy that was there that had to be forced out. He yeah. was one of the original guys, but he had sort of turned sour and wasn't allowing shows to happen, wasn't allowing it to grow in the way that it should be as yeah. an artist uh, complex. So, and that sort of came to a head in like a night of violence and, and fear. Oh, Jesus. Like these knives getting pulled and, and stuff like this. Yeah. And, um, at that point, Isaac was like, I think I'm moving out of this place. Like, I, I don't think it's going to go down at all. Yeah. And so I waited it out up here for a while longer, you know, staying with the parents. Yeah. And um, and then about two years ago, I got the call from Isaac being like, yeah, we need a roommate. And I think that you could be him. Yeah. And since then, it's just been fantastic. You know, it's you, any group home has its <laughs> group home. But, <laughs> you know, any place like that has its complexities and its yeah. uniqueness that can, you know, be uh, 
unique to navigate. You, yeah. you need, it's not like living in a regular house. Right, you know, right, right. Two people or something. You got seven people up in there. And so keeping the kitchen clean is a thing that has to be organized. Yeah. Uh, it's got a big practice space in it, a lot of metal bands like Hellbear. Um, yeah. there and uh, living right across the hall from Isaac. Yeah. Just, um, and Richmond had always shown me a lot of love when yeah. I started coming through there. Um, shout outs to Greenville, North Carolina, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, for showing me love first. Yeah. Really. Um, I feel like so many of us, that's the first place anyone listens to us. Yeah, it was or, like, you're awesome. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, give us some traction. Yeah. But Richmond, it started showing a lot of love. There's yeah. A, there's, um, my stuff is, you know, heavily political, not political, but like social political. Yeah. And, um, down there, you know, after the Occupy movement thing happened, um, the, that it sort of consolidated a number of groups down there yeah. that were all about, um, independent shows and activism. Right, right, right. And my stuff really sat well with them. Yeah. And, uh. So, you know, moving down there, the, I'm proud to say that the love has continued. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, at that point, even from the Dover move, which disintegrated, I, the, you know, I'd noticed that through touring, you know, I made a lot of friends, continue to make friends, and can't wait to get back on the road next year. But, um, you know, it's really easy to be cool and your best self for like three days with uh -huh. people, you know, enter a scene, be like, oh yeah, you know, everybody's like, yeah, we can't wait for you to come back. You're awesome. Yeah. But if you want to like visit your friends, you got to go on tour there. You know, it's like you're spreading wide, yeah. you know? And I really wanted, I just know in my, for me at least that, yeah, it's sustainable to tour, but the lifestyle of fulfilledness that I want is community based. Uh huh. And I want to be part of a community, and more and more, I'm finding my spot inside of it, outside of music. Yeah. You know, just uh, how I can help and the friends that I have yeah. and the support that I can lend. Um. And so it's like, yeah, it's like you're now in this situation where you have to be your best self, like every day. Yes, and, and you yeah. can't be your best self every day. So yeah. You, you not only have to try and be your best self every day. But you have to deal with the fact that these people are going to see your flaws. Yeah. And you've got to hope that they're understanding enough and that you're tight enough that they will still love you. Yeah. And still, you know, hold you down if you hold them down. And, you know, it's got its ups and downs, but Richmond is a wonderful place full yeah. of good people. And um, I feel lucky that I've, you know, it, it wasn't like I moved down there and only knew Isaac and his friends. You know, yeah. It's like started to branch out and good. It, it's funny, it's funny how, like, there is that aspect to touring of, like, you're putting on a show of who you are. Like, yeah. like not just during the set, but, like, the whole time. Like, you have to appear to maybe even be nicer than you are, more open-minded than you are right. or something, just to, just to, like, make an impression or something like that. Totally. Because you, know? you, you just can't be completely honest. Like... Right. Like if someone's like, hey, like, uh, you know, I'm going to open up and it's like this. You can't be like, well, that sounds dumb. Or, right. <laughs> you know, or like you sucked. Like <laughs> yeah. you just got to be diplomatic. You yeah, know? yeah. Diplomacy is a huge thing with with touring. And yeah. uh, in line with that activism thing, one of my favorite parts of touring, especially once I really started getting on with the DIY bandits and making more connections through them. Yeah. Um, with like a lot of um, more active See, like uh, politically active groups and stuff yeah. like that and connecting those groups up and down the East Coast, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, I was just in, you know, Philadelphia and they've got kids living the same way that right, you're right. living. It's like holding down those various groups. It's kind of an honor. No, not kind of. It's yeah. definitely an honor to be, to be able to do that. Why don't you break down a little bit, as much as you're comfortable with, about this forthcoming album? be honest, life has sort of pushed the album towards like the back burner for a little while mm. where it's just been like, well, it's been a, it's been a hard year. You know, yeah. after the Lumina broke, I decided that the rest of my tours should be by motorcycle. Oh, right, right. And that I was going to 
learn to fix motorcycles and, you know, be self-reliant on a vehicle in that yeah. way. Um, and this year, in the beginning of the year, I uh, had a bad accident where I crashed the motorbike and yeah. broke my hip and spent recovering and, um, you know, numerous, like, life things, relationships that have been rocky and things that have taken my mind off of, you yeah. know, I know some, some people find a lot of like fuel in those things, but I just mostly found like fuel to like not do anything mm. you know, kind of like just was, but, I, but the material that I have going with it right now, there's about four songs down Yeah, and they're really good. They're some of the best material that I've created. Mm. Been working that stuff out live. Yeah. Which, and it's all going over really well. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to write another, hopefully another four, and put it together. Hi. And, yeah, I'm excited. And I think I might have some people that are going to be on board, new, you know, labels and stuff yeah. like that. I'm not going to say too much about it yet, because it's still yet to be hatched yeah. and completed. But uh, excited for it. And especially after last night during the cage show, yeah, I learned learned some things and got reignited with a, a certain passion for it. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, 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 I got it, and and this is going to be another era of tightness, better yeah. than probably better than before. Yeah, um, really, really excited about an album that I've got going on with Isaac Sword. Yeah, no, um, it's uh. Can't give away too much because it's kind of a secret project. The name right. doesn't even exist, but the material does. And it's a kind of um, theme album where we're telling these songs from the point of view of a drone operator. Yeah. And for those that don't know Swordplay's work, a lot of it is acoustic-based, more melodic, whereas mine is more punk rhythmic, heavy-hitting. Yeah. What we've done is very successfully managed to combine these two elements. And that, in addition to the recruiting of one Eric Akers down in Richmond, who's been in Double Rainbow with Isaac yeah. and a couple other projects, who is thought-wise one of the most intelligent musicians I've ever mm. met. He knows, he, he's, he knows his complexities are... are Mid-range, you know, he's not super complex, but he's certainly no slouch. Yeah. But he knows where to put him. Yeah. He yeah. really knows where to put him. Like one take, you know, he'll be listening yeah. to something and whereas there was a moment on the CD where me and Isaac, you know, before getting him involved, we were like, oh, this moment is, is cool. It's, it's like, it's a change from the moment before it and it sounds good. Yeah. Eric would step in, come up with a couple of notes well-placed that would just make it, oh, this is epic now. Yeah. Really excited about it. It's one of the, it, it's. I don't want to say it's the most thorough thing that I've ever been involved in, but it's the most thorough thing that I've ever been involved in. And really, really amped on it. I think it's got a potential to, like, take our stuff to new levels. Yeah. And we've already got some interest from various uh, locations. Again, nothing's, like, on wax yet. Yeah. But it's looking good. Oh, that's awesome. Doing the final mixing for that on Monday. Oh, really? Yeah, we actually had a really hard time um, with these incompatibility issues between um, Cubase and Logic. Oh. And we were up to, like, for the first time in a long time, and maybe more so than I can ever remember, it came to a frustrating head yeah. where everybody was just kind of at odds with each other, and we and it's just like you look around the room and you're just like, this isn't fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is no longer fun. Yeah. Like, and... You know, we simmered it down because at 3 a.m. after you've been working for like eight hours, not on music, but on file compatibility, right, right. you're just, you're just like, you know, Isaac was just like, I'm ready to scrap this thing, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, we've already invested a lot of time and money into it. So we pushed past it and now it's looking good. Awesome. Things are pretty much together. We're going to spend 12 hours in the studio on Monday and then get it off to the label. Nice. Yeah. Excited about that. Awesome. Well, that seems like a good place to leave off. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And there it is. Thanks to Colin for making the time to come up here and do this. 
it made me realize we're not these young bucks just starting out anymore. We got this mutual history together and that everything that happened back then kind of has to do with what's happening now. See you next week.